We are back. Welcome to Don't Call It a Book Club with I am Luke. I am Dan. And we're doing another King Killer episode, episode number three. If you haven't been paying attention, big surprise. Right, big twist. Nobody saw this coming. Again, we're gonna we're gonna open I'm gonna start calling these warm up exercises. I said it last episode. I think I liked it. Before we get into the book, we're gonna do another warm up exercise. Sure. I mean I mean <laughs> and don't get this confused with like when you go to a basketball game and you see everybody just shooting threes. We're taking this seriously. Right. Right, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And you should you should definitely pay attention. <laughs> don't yeah, don't skip ahead. Don't go uh, get popcorn, please. <laughs> So I want to tell a story, and that is okay. So this is now. If I'm writing this down, do I need to get every single word exactly correct, Luke? In this story you're about to tell, yeah, are you not doing that with everything? Uh, Okay, it's it's fine. We can we can work it out later. Uh, (laughs) So I went canvas. Okay, well, if you're listening to this, not when it comes out. There's an election coming up. Just so you know. Not to get political on this on our fantasy <laughs> themed podcast. We have yeah. I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna talk about my political leanings or anything like that. I just so I went canvassing, expecting to be like going, you know, house to house and just telling people to vote or something, you know, like that. It turned out to be I went down to the university and the people there told me they just like gave me a clipboard. They were like, yeah, go out to where it's really crowded and just stop people. Yell at them. If they're like walking away with you, try to yell at them. Their tips were like, you know, if they've got headphones in, still try to get them. They'll take the headphones out. (laughs) It's like, it was like, I really wanted to go canvassing because, Uh I don't know, just because. And this was not the way to go, Dan. I'm not the kind of person that thrives in that sort of environment. Yeah, I would have just handed the clipboard back to them and said, okay, uh, you all have a nice day. I will also be not voting. (laughs) Yeah, they persuaded me not to vote. The thing is, like, I've been a college student that sees those people, or not even just a college student, but I've been someone that sees people with clipboards that are telling you to do something, and I hate those people. Yeah. And I just, when I was doing it, because I actually did try to follow through with it, which was stupid. Oh, my God. But I was just like, oh, everyone here hates me right now. And, you know, <laughs> I usually feel that way to some respect, but not that much. Yeah, dude, I would have taken the L and just gone to Starbucks for like an hour and come back and been like, yep, I didn't get anyone because the results <laughs> would have been the exact same. The results, I'm sure, were the exact same. Okay, no, I got one card. I was out there for like an hour and a half, got one little person to sign their name. Oh, one <laughs> and i so, came back and it's like hey so i got uh one one person <laughs> they're like oh sweet yeah if you had gone to starbucks you probably also could have got one person yeah just like, i mean hey find somebody who's typing on their laptop and be like hey dude and explain your situation like they tried to make me go to the university and do this can you just sign this just please. I honestly thought about writing na- like random names down on these cards just so I would look like I was successful. That's how democracy works. <laughs> um, well, but so it doesn't even matter what cause you have. If you're standing, if you're approaching me with a clipboard, I immediately am just like, I don't care. I don't care about anything that you're trying to talk about right now. Just go. Just please. If you'd have been sitting on the side of the sidewalk with a sign that was like, hey, interested in this? Come talk to me. Then maybe if I had time, I'd be like, oh, all right. Exactly. Like if I was, if I'm trying to get people to vote, I think the better way is to just have a sign that's like, hey, if you need information on how to vote, come come talk to me over here. Because then like the people that need it will come over (laughs) and I'm not ruining people's days. But well, and especially on like on a college campus, you would imagine that, you know, if you're not already registered, so you might have trouble registering to vote because maybe you're going to college somewhere that's not where you were born. And so I imagine people on a college campus would be, you know, somewhat interested in that. Right. They would want to figure it out because I, I, I doubt there's I'm sure there's tons of college students that would like would vote, but just don't have 
don't want to look up how to vote and that kind of thing. Right. Well, and especially if you think of who are the busiest, busiest young people and, or at least perceived busiest young people. Okay. Um, but also who are the most engaged politically? They're probably people who are going to college. And so, so actually Luke, I think you would have the two extremes at a college. You would have the people most likely to vote and the people most likely to be pissed off at you for trying to get people to vote. Like people that are super anti-establishment or had just read like, I I don't know. I don't yeah. know who anti-voting <laughs> writers are. Karl Marx? Did he Maybe, do stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But the, the I could just see him coming up to you and be like, you're enabling this corrupt establishment. You're giving it legitimacy by voting. And I can imagine somebody coming and protesting next to your voter registration drive, which probably would still be better than trying to interrupt people walking about their yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess I don't mean to offend anyone who is against voting. Um, I think you're you're probably dumber than we are you're a fucking idiot yeah <laughs> so um i guess just do your thing but uh everybody else definitely definitely vote everybody listening to this right now who's definitely definitely going to hear it before the election tomorrow <laughs> two days right T- two, yeah, two days two yeah days, so two days from um, when we're recording not from when we're releasing yeah so Hopefully, uh, whatever political party you are with or whatever candidate you support, I hope they won. Unless you're one of those, unless you're one of those idiots who didn't vote and then, well, serves you right, I guess. Then you're going to the gulag. Hopefully. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I imagine we have gulags at this point, right? It's been two days since the election. Oh yeah, probably. Okay. Man, this is going to be a good look back for when we actually listen to this. I know. Future historians are going to listen to this episode and say, wow. Like, this is what it was like before the gulags. All right. God, we are an un- we have such an uneducated podcast. Yeah, this is... All right. I can't wait to look up who Karl Marx is. <laughs> How wrong I was. Yeah, I thought gulag was a kind of soup until you said it, and it sounded like a No, prison, it's like the so. Russian jail thing. Okay, well, that shows how much I know. <laughs> if, you're, if you, if you want to prove how smart, much smarter you are than we are, just, uh, just tweet us later. You know, we'll be super excited to hear it. <laughs> yeah, at DC to BC. So. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Dan, are you, uh, you warmed up? Yeah, I think we should talk about Quoth. Okay, into the book. Uh, so we're doing, as I mentioned, Kingkiller, Patrick Rothfuss, reading it's... chap up to... Th- chapter 72 so through chapter 71 right uh and we should also note we're reading the book the name of the wind it's the first book in i think what's supposed to be a trilogy and before we even talk about the book i my roommate is reading this series right now and i saw the cover for the next book in the series and one of the little subtitles is day two does the first book say day one on it i have it on my kindle so i don't really look at the title no it does not so the the second book says day two is this all taking this whole book is going to be one day of quoth telling his story yeah so you know it's supposed to be a trilogy right i think this whole three days we get three real life days because okay you remember when quoth is telling chronicler how long he needs for his story oh my god the uh then why even bring up the demon spiders why even do that yeah i don't know if there's gonna be see i think this is the big question i don't know if there's gonna be more after he finishes his story or not i just i haven't read past so to the listeners there will be no spoilers because i haven't read past where you have read for this episode so i don't know what's gonna happen this is just based on the title of the next the next book I just can't believe that everything in this book is going to take place in one real life day. And the book is pretty big. This is a pretty big one, Luke. Yeah, he's been talking for a while. And it's only been, it's like probably noon there. I don't know. Oh, boy. But so we left off last episode. I think, did we leave off right where he jumped off the roof? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So 
so last episode covered up until Quoth jumped off the roof because Master Elodin told him to. And the first couple of things I think that happen in this section are he goes through admissions again. Yeah. And I think his it's set up, I think he needs to pay like six talents or something like that. I don't remember if that's this time through admissions or the second time he goes through admissions that he has to pay six, but it's it's a reasonable amount. I think it's more than two talents that he has to pay. Yeah, something like that. Here's, I don't, like, what is this university doing? They know it's clear that Quoth is, has so much potential and is going to do wonderful things for this college, right? And they yeah. know that he doesn't have money. Yeah. What? What are they doing? <laughs> like, take that and let him come to the universe. It's stupid. And they don't have any kind of lenders that are set up with them. Oh, no, of course not. So it's, they're just like, don't, if you're poor, you just can't go no matter what. No, you can. Because remember, Quoth got in. They just, they just stopped that. They were just, they just thought, well, you know, we gave this kid a pass the first time because he was really smart, but. But the second time, nah, I don't think so. We're going to make him suffer. Which, I mean, I get that that's because some of the masters are, like, mad at him. Because I don't even remember why Master Him was... Like, I know now he's mad at him because he, like, burnt his leg or something. I don't even get why he was mad at him to begin with. But uh, it just seems stupid of them to try to basically drum out someone that's clearly one of their best students well absolutely and the other reason it seems stupid is they gave him three talents which was basically an investment like hey this kid's smart we should get him to come here because he'll do great things for us so we're gonna pay him to come to the school and then the second time around they're like i think he'll pay us now i think i think we'll make him take out a loan to pay us now and and they like he can't loan against anything so he they know he has to go to like these masters aren't dumb right they know that he can't loan from reputable people he explained to them this is the the wildest part about this is when he first met them he told them all of this he he said i don't have any money and if you let me in for free i will basically work my ass off so i can stay here i'll sleep outside i'll do all these things and they're like oh poor kid but he seems really smart let's give him some money so he doesn't have to sleep outside and then he uses all that money and they decide yeah we could let him sleep outside you know actually especially too because at a certain point he starts making money from the things that he creates with the artificers which at that point i think it's understandable to then charge him tuition that makes perfect sense but until that point, there's no, there's nothing he can do to really make money. No other student has a job, you know? Yeah. So, and the other thing is they've already identified that, you know, the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy of this college means everybody has to have a tuition. That's why they gave him a slip and took him to the person and said, give him three talents because there is some level of bureaucracy, but they've also shown that they can just do whatever they want. So it's not like they have to charge him tuition. They don't have to. There's, They literally get all the freedom in the world to say what his tuition is. And they're deciding to just make him pay money he definitely doesn't have. The kid has two shirts. And you whipped through one of them. Oh, wait, no, you did. <laughs> no, he took it off. He took it off. Don't, don't worry about that. Another thing is, where is all of this money going? Because... Presumably, they're bringing in so much money, right? The, because there's the like money's going. <laughs> okay, well, let me just finish. so okay. they're bringing. They have I don't know how many students, uh, over at least a thousand probably, mm-hmm. right? They p- have to pay admission every two months, and for a lot of these guys, admission is very high. And there's they people have to pay for room and board, so that's not a fee that the college is taking. Yeah. They have to the students generally have to pay for materials. I 
there's only like nine staff members. Luke, you're forgetting the biggest money sink on this entire campus. And it's it's the building that Quoth jumped off of with Master Elodin. Master They're Elodin just... explained like a third of the campus is housed in this asylum. Oh, that's true. That's true. And they're not making these people at the asylum pay. Right. And it's this massive complex that I'm sure they have to staff with people. And they have to, the, it said that the grounds were very well maintained. It's like the nicest part of this whole campus. That Elodin just keeps breaking. <laughs> he turns it to dust. Yeah. And so there, I would imagine a large part of the tuition goes to keeping this asylum nice and running now that said it can't be that much i imagine maybe half of the tuition that they collect from all the students goes there and that's being generous to the how much the asylum gets but you i'll bet these masters are making bank dude i guess so i'll bet they're just like freaking rolling in it but i mean what do you spend money on well, uh, we already saw. Who is the master of the archives again? La, Lo, Laurel, I think. Laurel, something so like he, that. He has people going out all over the world finding true. books for him. That's true. So I'm sure that's pretty expensive. I don't. Okay. But like the other, uh, yeah. I so I can imagine he would have a very like high cost. I guess there's a lot of like hidden costs that I'm just not thinking about. Yeah, but. I, I do agree. I think that's absurd how expensive it is. There's no way. It, especially when there's only nine teachers. Right, yeah. There's nine total. Everybody else is a student, and the students teach the students a lot of the time. <laughs> so all the money goes to the teachers. Which is kind of... It's kind of ridiculous that they get to choose what what the tuition is, actually. Oh, yeah. This is corruption. Just like... I, I mean, it's not corruption because that's how it's set up. But I no, do I think it's I think Kelvin's sitting there like I could really use a new boat. Twenty <laughs> talents for you, especially considering they're charging. It's mentioned that they charge the people that they know are rich way more money. Yeah, which seems kind of messed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. No, this is corruption for sure. It's also a little bit absurd, especially if you take our theory from last time that Elodin isn't even one of the teachers it's a little absurd he gets to sit on the council and decide how expensive people's tuition is and we've already established that the reason he gets to do that is because they can't stop him from doing that but it's still a little bit it's still a little bit crazy that he gets to he gets to do that especially when you think about we got we got more insight into what eladin's teaching style is like a little because a lot later in this section i think her name is fella talks about having classes with him and it's things like he puts like mud in her shoes and stuff and that's pretty much it which like probably a good thing that quoth didn't end up apprenticing with him right it seems so inconvenient (laughs) also this story would have been so boring (laughs) yeah just super annoying stuff that eladin is making him do it would be like the entire it'd be like if Mr. Miyagi was just way worse at his job. <laughs> it would be like, yeah, it would be like if Mr. Miyagi gave him a bunch of stuff to do and then at the end just started laughing as he got in this big final fight with the Cobra, the Cobra Dojo. And Daniel turns and looked at him and goes, well, I've, you've trained me for this, right? And he's just like, no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I just got you to wash my whole house. And then Daniel just gets dominated by the Cobra Kai gym. Yeah, that sounds like a good... I think that's about right. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, uh, so I think we do need to talk about Quoth and money a little bit more. Because after they give him his tuition, he freaks out and has no idea how he's going to get the money. And there's like, every time they give him tuition, he has no idea how to get it what i do if this dude is that smart they're not asking for a lot of money true 
Right. I mean, when you think about if we say like his tuition is about six talents and we did we did the math last episode, Mm -hmm. I think that's between three and four thousand dollars. Yeah. But that was six talents after he has now been promoted where he can make his own artificer projects. Right. And he like they sold a bunch of those after the big fire for like almost two talents. And it sounded like it took him. 24 hours to do that because he went in in the morning started making these doped sympathy lamps the fire happened he got burned very badly went back after the fire finished the lamps that day and then they sold them here's the here's the thing that i have a problem with this dan a term is two months right you don't have to do every term go get a job for four months especially when you think about well okay first of all he's like 15 at this point most people don't even get into the university until they're like 18 just Uh go do something else for a small amount of time and you'll be fine what are you even doing at the university at this point you know what i mean he's not learning anything useful really i mean i mean okay that's probably not true but i mean yeah i i think it's definitely benefiting him to be at the university, but the fact that he he has like this huge crisis every semester when they charge him, when they say what the next tuition is going to cost, it's just, it's unwarranted. Because exactly, like you're saying, he could just go do anything, anything. Go tra- yeah, go travel anywhere else, be like a court musician for somebody, make a ton of money for one year. You'll be like 16 or 17, come back. And just go to the university for a while. And by that point, you'll like have enough invested in where you can start making money at the university and you'll be fine. I think, okay, he also, he talks a lot about when, how, how frustrated he is with money in terms of how other people don't know what it's like to be super poor. Mm-hmm. Like everyone at this university, I guess, is, has some way to make money. Like they have, they can borrow money different ways. Or just can like write their parents or something like that. Right. And he's acting like he is just dirt poor, which technically correct, but he's not just some beggar that has no skills. This would be like if someone with a PhD in like engineering <laughs> is homeless for a month. It's like, dude, go get a job. <laughs> like you, you're not. You're not the same as someone that's a beggar and doesn't have any skills. That's not what you are. This is a fantastic point, Luke, uh, because this actually relates to like real life as well. People talk about how so people like to bring up Benjamin Franklin when they say somebody who built themselves up from nothing, because when Benjamin Franklin moved to Philadelphia, he didn't he didn't have any money. And then he like, you know, became Benjamin Franklin. But Benjamin Franklin brought a letter from the governor when he went to Philadelphia. And he was Benjamin Franklin, who knew how to read. Just because he was poor doesn't mean he doesn't have anything of value or he can't. Like, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. It's absurd. It's abs- And he's so it's just he's whining about it. He just wants to whine about the fact that he doesn't have any money. It's like, dude, you're smarter than literally every other person at this freaking college. You, yeah, he can make money so many different ways. He could go be a music, musician somewhere. There's tons of different jobs for people that can like read or write in this world. He already has some training as a sympathist or an artificer. It, worst comes to worst, go work on a farm for a year, dude. Like, and not like. We also see the solution that we've been talking about, that he goes and buys a loot and gets his talent pipes and does all that. And that's like, yeah, dude, obviously. This is, that's a no-brainer. But even before he does that, he talks about how he was able to, like, cheat, basically cheat people while he was gambling. And it's like, dude, if you can do that, why are you not just doing that all over? Like, you could, there's a bunch of taverns everywhere there's a bunch of towns you don't have to even go to the same place twice like go somewhere 
have a really lucky night and then leave right just just do a tour basically for miss a term or two that's i think that's what it boils down to there's nothing saying that you need to do it all in a row plus his big okay he's there at this university and like in the grand scheme of things the whole reason he's there is to learn about the chantrian and he can't do that until he has access to the archives Mm -hmm. and he can't get into the archives until master lauren or whatever his name is forgives him basically which we've heard multiple times just takes time yeah just i don't know i've said it a bunch of times but just head out somewhere for a couple months and come back and see if you're good to go. If not, maybe take another couple semesters of classes and then head out again. Easy. Huh. Yeah. You know, you'd think a genius could figure this shit out, Luke. <laughs> I think we're going to spend this whole episode just railing about Quoth because I have so much more to talk about Quoth. Let me, okay, yeah. let me just preface this. I don't, I can't, okay, so again, this is the second time I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple different ways to read it. One being where you don't look at quotes flaws, really. And you listen to everything he says and you're like, that's really, you know, a profound point or something like that. And which is totally fine. Like maybe you'll get more out of it and it'll seem or it'll be a much more intense book and you can listen to the way he talks or writes and that kind of thing. And it'll be super cool. I, I can't remember if that's the way I read it first or not. But I think that's not the way either me or you are reading it this time. So if you really want to idolize Quoth, maybe stop listening to this podcast for the rest of this episode. Or maybe just don't. Right, yeah. You don't need to idolize Quoth. He's not that cool. You want to delve into why we hate Quoth? (laughs) Okay, yeah. So this last section, I just like, I can't stand this dude anymore. This is honestly, this is kind of killing the book for me. And the thing that's killing the book for me with Quoth is freaking Denna. Denna is murdering Quoth. Yeah, for sure. It's it's almost unbearable. From the moment that they reconnect in the tavern that he earns his talent pipes, it is, oh, it's so bad. And I, even, I, wanna, I do want to point out that Patrick kind of alludes to this because he has Bast kind of make fun of Quoth as he's talking about Denna. Right, which I appreciated a little bit. Yeah, it was nice to have that, but it's still just like, dude, Denna sucks. There's, okay, first off, there's, I think pretty early on in this section, there's that little interlude where he, I guess, is starting his story about Denna. And even from that point on, I think I wrote down a note at that point, that just says, I already hate Denna. <laughs> Which, okay, we'll talk about later. I think later in this section, the the barkeeper at the Aeolian talks about Denna in a way that makes her seem like more likable. So we'll talk about that later. But in that interlude, one thing that I wrote down is he's trying to figure out how to describe Denna. And he talks about how... he. He talks about how one time he was able to play for play music for a blind man for a while to try to like get him to see colors and eventually was successful. The blind man was able to see colors because of the way that Quoth was playing this music. And then he says basically that that was easier than he knows how to describe Dinah. No, no, it's not. Dude, this made me so mad when I read it. This is this is literally just Quoth showing off. This is just him being like, yeah, once I once I got a blind man to see color. Yeah, okay, first it, of all, no you didn't. <laughs> no, there's no That fucking blind way. man had sat there for 7 hours and was like, yeah, if you can see it, dude, leave me alone. That's what happened. <laughs> it's so red now. Whoa. Look at that blue over there. Oh, galloping by yellow. All right, bye. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's point A. You didn't get the blind man to see colors. Point B, had you, it would have been way harder than describing Dinna. Guess what, though? If you really had such a hard time describing Dinna with words, fucking play a, play a song. 
if you're so much better at articulating yourself with your lute, fucking whip it out, dude. Yeah, play how you're feeling. Put your money where your mouth is, because the chronicler could definitely write down whatever music you play. It's just notes, dude. We have a way of notating music. That's right. I'm calling your bluff, (laughs) quoth. That's such a good point. I didn't think about that. I thought you were going to say draw her or something. But yeah, play. (laughs) If you can describe with music to a blind man what colors look like, play some music describing how you felt when you saw dinner. Perfect. Done. Next problem. Real quick, how did it take him this long to get a loot when he is like the best lootist around? Like, somebody would have just been like, dude, have this cheap-ass loot. You're so good at it. He could have gone up to anybody who had a loot and been like, can I just, I just want to play it so bad, and did it, and they would be like, oh, yeah, here. Or if the first person didn't, somebody would have. Right. How is there not a better way to get cheap musical instruments? I, I guess that they're all, like, they're all crafted, and they're all fairly expensive. But if you're like, if you're as talented as freaking Quoth is, as he claims to be, excuse me, like this is a poor looking kid who uh, there's stories of this all the time of wealthy people seeing a poor looking kid who's just a genius at the piccolo or something. And they happen to have like a really crappy piccolo on the street somewhere. And so they buy him a really nice piccolo and then they're playing in the freaking London, the New York Philharmonic the next week. And it's like, yeah, I paid for that kid's piccolo. And everybody wants to be that dude who's right. like, yes, I saw this man on the side of the road and bought him a new guitar. And now he is playing at, I don't know, some big stadium somewhere. It's like, dude. <laughs> Advertise yourself a little bit. And he loves do it. He's telling us a story of how great he is. He loves to tell people, like, to show off. He loves it. Come on. Uh, so that, that that can bring us to his performance at the Aeolian, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Where I get the, okay. So they have that system where you pay to get your, get an attempt at getting your talent pipes. And then I guess if you play well, he goes around and asks everyone how well you played. Everyone's like, yeah, he was fucking awesome. Give him his talent pipes or like, yeah, he was really good, but not good enough. Give, don't give him his talent pipes, which is a banana system by the way. But we're not going to talk about that now. Um, and that's when he meets Dinah again, who apparently is also super talented because she had listened to this cra- supposedly crazy song like twice and was able to keep up with him. Pretty impressive, sure. Oh, okay, before I go to that, this song sounds terrible. Like, okay, everyone talks about how it's super emotional and everyone is, like, crying afterwards and that kind of thing. But when he describes it, he talks about he's playing on his lute, making essentially two melodies that go... I think they go against each other. And then he, the verses also go against the melodies. Okay, first of all, I ex- that sounds very difficult. But it also sounds terrible to listen to. Who wants to hear that? I've I've played two completely different songs at the same time before. <laughs> and it's not good. That's what this is. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, your description of it as counter melodies, definitely right. That's what he says. And it makes it sound super difficult. Even though I don't know what those things... I don't know those terms. They sound to me like it's just different songs. I agree. So what I thought of was like, you know, you know how some jazz just doesn't really sound that good, but people are like, oh, this is incredible. Yeah, kind of. And like, oh, this must be really, oh, did he just play a triplet there when it was, oh man, very technically difficult. And so I'm imagining something like this, where it's like the average person would be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But all these people who've come to the bar are all music people. 
or at least want to appear like they're music people. And so they look around and see everyone else into it. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, incredible. Oh, everyone's crying. Yeah, I should definitely be crying. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful song. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's what I'm picturing. Is maybe, okay. it, maybe it is technically difficult. And that's why people are super hype about it. Right. I'm sure I... I think it's definitely technically difficult. It just sounds like a bad song to listen to, which I don't know. Maybe I don't understand what he's talking about. I don't know music well. That's fair. But uh, okay. But anyway, he f- after that he finds Dennett in the crowd and realizes that it was her singing along with him, and he has the most unbearable conversation with her I've ever seen. She's she's there with uh, Savoy, which mm-hmm. is one of his friends, and he just like unashamedly flirts with her, but in the most cringeworthy way, and it's it's set up to be he seems super clever and he's very charming. I I, th- I guess I don't know. I think, and this is where I might be giving adult quoth some credit is. I think it was probably extremely cringeworthy when it happened and he's portraying it that way, but he's not saying, yeah, I know guys, I know this is really cringy. Just stick with me as I describe how like embarrassing this is. I I don't think, I just don't think he's adding that qualifier. He's just like, fuck, I just got to tell it how it is. Either that or adult quote is, has not matured at all. Okay. That's, that's the one I think it is. Yeah. I think adult quote, actually thinks that he's super good or th- or this whole dinner thing is super i don't know like romantic cool or romantic and... but he does this weird thing with dinner's name and his name and it's it, okay i do think it's it tries to come across as super charming and romantic but and maybe it does if you're reading it in a certain way like if you want it to be sure maybe it does yeah but if I'm sitting at a table at a bar and overhear this conversation, I would be like, dude, get out of here. Which I do think Dinna is on the same wavelength as Quoth, or at least she's set up to be on the same wavelength as Quoth, where she thinks that this is super cool too. But, oh. I mean, I think something that... So, I actually like how cringy it is and i i only like it because they're like 15 years old and i think it's super realistic to a 15 year old talking i know the last episode i kind of dunked on quoth for when he was describing denna in the moonlight and i was like no 15 year old talks like that 15 year old, he just had a boner blah 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 that was what i said last episode i think this is actually really good writing here because i think when I was 15, if, hold on, was this happening when I was 15? Yeah, uh, yes, when I was 15 and I was like texting girls I thought were cute, this is how I sounded. And if I read those now, I would die. I would, in my chair, I would die. <laughs> because I can almost guarantee I had this exact conversation with a girl when I was 15. Okay, not exact, because obviously, I obviously knew their name when I was talking to them. Right, and you didn't. You might have had cringe-rated conversations, but you didn't talk like Quoth talks. I don't think. No, definitely not. But nobody talks like Quoth talks. It's absurd. <laughs> Here's the thing: if it was set up like that, I would be totally on board. Like I would. It's. It's if it's set up like that, that's super good writing. I don't think it's set up like that. I I think you're right because Quoth prefaces it with like this is the most important part of the story that I'm about to get to, and this is super. Yeah, don't change a word. Right. Quoth, adult Quoth, who's telling the story, wants this in there and is talking about how amazing. And there's no hint that this is, that he's ashamed of this or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm on board. One line that I hated. I'm going to read to you. Or I, I don't know how it exactly, but it's something like sh- he's going to owe her a favor. Right. And it gets brought up that maybe her favor is going to be would you bring me a leaf from the singing tree from across the world or something like that? First of all, that doesn't make any sense. 
but we'll skip that. And then he says, I would. And then in his mind, he's like, I was surprised to see that I meant it. (laughs) Fuck you, (laughs) Quoth, dude. Uh, Luke and I are over video chat right now, so you couldn't see this, but when Luke said that, he had a clenched fist, and he was so (laughs) ready to punch something. Like, my biggest problem... So, yes, Quoth says a lot of cringy things. He also tries to give away his talent pipes. Now, let's just picture what that would mean for him to give away his talent pipes to somebody. There was a democratic process that gave him these pipes. This wasn't just like he paid money or played really well and got them. This is a symbol that you're a brilliant musician who can play at any tavern. He tried to give them away to someone. That destroys the entire system. If you can just give away your pipes and then play for new ones. Ambrose would have pipes. You know why? Because he would just buy them from somebody. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it doesn't work that way. Which can't. It is said that once you have them, you can do whatever you want with them. But I don't think you're supposed to give them away. Because, like like what you're saying, that completely def- you can buy them at this point, if that's true. You can't. You can't give your pipes. At least, you can't receive pipes and have them be worth anything. That That can't be how it works. Otherwise, they don't mean anything. Right. Like, quoth, stop. <laughs> It's also just such a another just stupid thing to do. Like, I can't even, I don't even know, I can't put words to why I hate that line so much, but it's just, God. Because it's so ridiculous, Luke. It's, it's just the most absurd. They're obviously kind of being facetious, but he was like, no, I'm serious about this. It's like, dude, we get it. You're really into this chick, but like stop please you're you're ruining it all this reputation that you have been working for for this whole book you're just burning it right and i think okay maybe he does have some some kind of self-awareness with this because for the rest of the section he talks about he really creepily is always going over to imre or whatever the village is called and looking for her in (laughs) an underrated, really creepy way. But I, I think there's a little bit of self-awareness because he kind of jokingly in the story that he's telling is talking about how absurd it is. Yeah, but I... it's kind of, it's absurd, right? I think at one point he talks about he goes to Imre like nine times in like three days or something. <laughs> which, which when you think about it, this is the biggest detractor from his like schoolwork. Right, and if his big goal is to find out about the Chandrian, to like avenge his whole family's murder, but he's like, yeah, but this chick was like kind of into me. I think but this. Hold on, this chick was kind of into me, and so every day I took like a thirty to forty-five minute detour, and then sat for like an hour at this bar, hoping that this chick would come back. I know my family was all murdered. I know that. But I was kind of into this chick, though. So, oh, yeah, I also really needed money. But I was kind of into this chick, though. <laughs> I'm, maybe you don't understand. I was, I think she was into me. <laughs> All right, hold on. We're, we're going to take a brief, a brief detour from Denna just for a one minute. He writes this song about Ambrose because they're having their little feud. And then he gets in trouble and writes this apology letter. And he puts this apology letter everywhere. And the way he puts it down, it said he puts like a seal, like a resin over the the lyrics so that you have to use like a chisel to remove them from whatever he's placed them on. What the fuck, dude? Are you kidding me? Am I? So... Am I the only one kind of starting to move over to Ambrose's side on this feud? I don't think I'm over on Ambrose's side. Right, okay. But I freaking hate Quoth at this point. Yeah, neither of them are the good guys in this situation. No! There's a scene, I wrote this down too in my notes, so I want to talk about it. There's a scene when 
there's another drawing for admissions and it's mentioned oh, i guess yeah. earlier in the book how the admissions the timing of the admissions are by a lottery system so if you mm-hmm. get a later one you can often sell that to get an early one just to make some more money quoth tries to do that right and ambrose is going to buy his for well okay so first off quoth says like 50 talents or something just as a joke yeah and then ambrose makes a counter offer which is like a talent and a half which is yeah. way more money than he would have gotten anywhere else and then here's the thing if you were a smart mature person you'd be like okay that's a good deal i'll do that but he does this whole scene where he does this like i don't know he i don't even remember exactly what happens he, he flips it on ambrose because he calls out ambrose for haggling with him on the price because apparently haggling is something only poor people do and so he's like oh i didn't realize that you were poor ambrose ha 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 and everybody laughs with him and it's like was that worth it dude right and he does this thing he's like i'll give it to you for like a a jot or something like that which is way worth way more than that and then ambrose is like oh that's a huge affront to my dignity so he's not going to do it and then he walks away or whatever and then here's the thing that i might hate even more than the previous dinner uh chapter he says the crowd applaud or applauded or there's crowd the whole crowd applauds basically and then and then he bows to everyone are you kidding me (laughs) what are we doing this is so this is this is exactly what you brought up in the last episode where you made that joke and then the the whole train clapped then the whole train applauded except he he literally says that in his story that he's telling the chronicler he says i really own this rich guy so hard that everybody around me clapped and i took a bow first of all let's be clear he did not own the rich guy that hard (laughs) he did not at all it was just a super cringeworthy joke that he was trying to pull off and then allegedly the crowd applauded i don't believe it and then he bows to everyone i do believe that he bowed to everyone i do believe that yeah that's for sure but uh, it's absurd and i was praying when he i think he offers even less than a jot like it's something it's like a iron penny or something like that i was praying that ambrose was going to take him up on that because that then ambrose would have owned him right oh totally yeah and everyone would have been like, oh, yeah, you're an idiot, quote. <laughs> right. But I don't know. I don't have that much more to say on that. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah. I, I, there's other stuff. Denna isn't the only thing that causes, quote, to just turn into a complete ass in these last few chapters. But he is definitely a complete ass. Which maybe, maybe we should say that this is super good writing. Because it's true that he is like a 15-year-old prodigy right. who has everything has gone to his head. Right. That's so I, th- <laughs> I, I think maybe this is Patrick Rothfuss very well describing what this would look like. Because I, I think it's pretty accurate. I agree. Like you said something earlier about how a mature person would do something different. A mature person would take the talent and a half that he gets offered. Right. And it's showing us that, yeah, Quoth is not mature. Quoth is a 15-year-old shithead like I was when I was 15 years old, except he is somebody who everybody in his life has told him he's the smartest person that they know. And so he's he is the biggest shithead. Right, right, right. Uh, so I think we've pretty much roasted this book for this whole episode. But I'm going to say... I'm going to say we're roasting the book for what Patrick Rothfuss wants us to write the book for. I mean, right. I think so too. I, I, that's why I said at the beginning, like don't idolize Quoth. Right. He's not meant to be idolized. I don't no, think. no, I don't think so either. He is like a, he's not very mature in these scenes. Right. So this, all. this whole, I think it sounds like we hate this book, <laughs> you know? No. I mean, this is, again, after these chapters, I had to, like, force myself to stop reading because I wanted to keep going. Like, this is a good book. Right. Pat, I'm, I'm trying to say Patrick Rothfuss has killed it 
or has nailed it basically yeah like please come on the show patrick uh we'd love to have you to talk about how you just ruined quoth for us you you care you you built the character of quoth very well i think yeah i i agree i'm with you there uh can we talk about his weird parkour stunt though (laughs) which one we're gonna get back to denna so he and denna go on a walk one night and when they get back to his apartment in the inn where he's staying he decides rather than walk through the front door he's gonna parkour up the side of the building oh actually it's right before it's excuse me it's right before they leave for their walk he decides he's gonna impress denna by parkouring up the side of the building to put his loot away dude like freaking walk it up the stairs (laughs) it's not that impressive it's not impressive at all i saw that and was like oh gross why are you doing that it doesn't matter if you can or can't do that it's the fact that you chose to do that in this instant right right right. and then yeah and then she asked him about it he's like i didn't it's quicker this way and it's like oh stop quote (laughs) right i want to okay we're gonna i'm gonna talk about dinner again because that i'm okay i'm gonna say this is gonna be a dinner heavy episode because this has been a dinner heavy oh yeah section of the book absolutely there's there's later a talk about or or, okay so i think for a while i kind of hated dinner and she's almost set up that way because she's never there and is kind of weird about i don't know how she acts Mm -hmm. and then i forget the barkeeper's name at the eolian but he kind of sets quotes or dion or something dioc 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 and you know he does this whole explanation of you know she doesn't have family uh and is kind of helpless and this is a male-dominated society so there's not much she can do which is a good point it made me realize you we, we shouldn't be hating dinner for those reasons i hate dinner for a different reason <laughs> i hate dinner because she likes quoth <laughs> because i okay so it's definitely quoth talks about how i don't know beautiful and good of a personality she has and that kind of thing yeah which I tend to believe because every guy allegedly wants to talk to her and date her and that kind of thing. So she must be pretty cool and hot and all that stuff. Yeah. But she clearly likes Quoth more than I guess most of the other guys that she's seeing. Yeah. And that's the, that's the reason I think she's an idiot because what I just, if she's liking the things that Quoth is doing, she clearly has just as bad judgment as Quoth does. Right. Right. Which I think, I think this is like very good. Again, another example of great writing because we're witnessing two characters doing something that is so frustrating. That's so irrational. And it's like, why are you doing these things? And I think that's where like, these are two people that we are witnessing. Right, these are two people who are doing stuff that just doesn't make any sense at all. Unless, <laughs> Luke, I have a theory. Oh, God. Okay, I'm excited. Oh, this is this is a doozy. <laughs> okay. So, the section that we've been reading ends with just the Denna cherry on top of this freaking Denna Sunday that we've been served, where... Quoth goes up to find the Chandrian, spends like way more money than he has to get there in a day. And he enters the inn where they happened, like the only survivor of the Chandrian exists, goes upstairs, opens the door. Mind you, this is like 70 miles away from the university. And it's Dana. Okay. So I read that and just like put the book down and was like, this sucks <laughs> but then luke i realized denna is abanthi i was gonna i was wondering if you were gonna say that she was part of the chandrian and then i was like oh you think ben and her are part of the chandrian but you think she's literally abanthi 
Ben or Avanthi is Denna. <laughs> I know. How? Here's how. <clears throat> so we already established early on that the Chandrian left Quoth alive because somebody was coming and they had to leave quickly. I still think that that's Ben. I think Ben was the reason that they left early. So Ben has this like extra sense about the Chandrian. Okay. And I think that Denna has been disappearing a lot around. Um, not staying in one place too long because I think Denna is also hunting the Chandrian, which I, I think it's Ben. I think so. I'm going to refer to them interchangeably. I'll probably be using Denna most of the time. But Denna is hunting the Chandrian because they're trying to maybe avenge. I'm not sure why yet, but they're hunting the Chandrian. All right. The other reason that I'm fairly certain that Abanthi could be Denna is we don't get a lot of detail about what Denna does with these men. And I have a good sense that she she doesn't do a whole lot because she tends to like leave men pretty quickly. Like she stays with them for a while and then like bounces out. So like wouldn't be too hard to conceal another identity sure as an old arcanist (laughs) as an old man arcanist the other reason denna and quoth haven't like done anything that's like if it was actually ben the whole time it would be really gross like they just sit and talk a lot ben was also very protective over quoth and it's it seemed very strange initially that Ben would just leave this child genius behind. Um, and so I think Denna is the persona that Ben has taken on to keep tabs on Quoth. Because who else, like, can you give me a better, can you lay a better trap for Quoth? As as was referred to for Ben, a better trap could not have been the brewer's wife. Could you lay a better trap for Quoth than a girl who is kind of elusive, uh, but like knows all these plays and stuff because every time quoth brings up a play that he knows she's like yeah i know that one too could you lay a better trap for quoth i don't right, think so prob- right probably not and so i think ben cleverly has laid this trap to keep quoth close to him to keep him safe from the Chandrian. and and you think ben is part of some order that we haven't really been introduced yet like the emir or Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, so, he has some supernatural powers. Yeah. Initially, that, when I brought up Ben, I said he was either one of the Chandrian or he was one of the Emir, as we're, we're now aware that that's what they're called. So, yeah, I think Ben is one of those. And Denna and Ben are the same thing. <laughs> they're the same creature. Okay. I don't know if I'm necessarily convinced... But I love it. <laughs> okay, then how, then, if this is not true, why the fuck is Denna in this inn? Right, yeah, it's it's crazy that she's there. Which, we stopped right at that, uh, that point. I don't, I don't think she says, <sighs> no. Does she, she give a reason it. yet? She just says something really just, just fucking cringy again. And Quoth also responds with a, just so uh, it's just an off they have an awful interaction <laughs> surprisingly uh i will say it would explain a decent amount mm-hmm. for example as to why she's into him and why she's leaving so often and how she knows all of these plays and how she can sing super well and that kind of thing so and it would it would bring an element that I think is not really involved in this story, like it is in most other fantasy stories, of some of much more supernatural thing. Like okay, obviously the Chantrian are but mm-hmm. it would bring a craziness that fantasy is often known for into this story, which I would uh-huh. love, uh-huh. first of all. <laughs> so Luke, why why isn't she Ben? I haven't heard of why she hasn't been yet. <laughs> Fuck it. She's been. I think she's been. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Which this is so 
there's no way we okay so we we're not when we do these podcasts we don't look at like reddit threads or things like that or theories and that kind of thing so with, <laughs> i don't know if this theory is out there i doubt it right <laughs> So, yeah, I, I haven't read anything aside from what we have said we've read. I have not read right. any, like, fan theories. I've only read up until this point in the book. Luke has read more, but he isn't the one proposing this theory right now. <laughs> and and so I doubt that this theory is out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's absurd. You want to know more? Just, like, an additional extra piece of information? Yeah. The very first person that... Quoth meets on his way to the university, leaving Tarbine, is Denna. Who knew Quoth was going to be going to the university at some point? So, oh, so you think that, like, Ben is kind of just hanging out, waiting for him to leave? Ben has been waiting for him to go to the university because he knows at some point when he's, like, feeling better, he's going to try and go to the university. And so Ben is, like, Ben has been traveling back and forth from the university to Tarbine for three years <laughs> which by the way if you're been how much how like disappointed are you in quote god so disappointed i i like this theory a lot we've got you've got a damn it i okay so there's i definitely think that there's something weird about Ben yes. when we left Ben. Yeah, I think he definitely comes back in some crazy way. Mm-hmm. Up to until you said this, like I thought the dinner was just kind of the whole dinner thing was kind of weird. But now that I think about it, I think there might be more to it. <laughs> the connection of Ben being dinner is so ridiculous that I think it's great. I think but it's <laughs> it answers so many questions. Like honestly, it explains so many of the questions that we're left with for these characters. Which Patrick, if you're listening to this and still I know you're still working on book 3 and you're not sure just how to I don't know, resolve things, throw this in there. Because <laughs> this would make a great twist. It would be brilliant. Oh god. Well, we let's, po- I mean, let's apologize in advance for ruining the third book. Because we've, we've had to do this for a lot of books, actually. We had to right. do this for a Game of Thrones because we ruined <laughs> that a little while ago. I think it. Uh, our listeners deserve it, though. They just deserve it. Just even if it's not true, just picture it being true, and picture the story of this being the case. It sounds like a good story. It, I would tell that story. I would make up that story. If you if you're a big if you're a big fan fiction writer listening to this right now, go ahead and give us an alternate ending. <laughs> yeah, you already know how to tweet us at DC at a BC, link us to your fanfic. We'll definitely read it. <clears throat> and you know what? We'll I, I mean that I mean that serious that sounded sarcastic. We will we will absolutely read it and be very oh, yeah, excited yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, um, good theory, Dan. Good yeah, theory. Yeah. I just had to come up with something to explain Denna because it, 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 I was so mad at the end of this last chapter, Luke. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, I'm going to go to something really small and stupid that might round us out for this episode. Mm-hmm. There's a part where he makes a, I think it's his t- essentially his test to become, to finish his apprenticeship in the uh, fishery. And he makes this lamp that I guess can only, it's designed in a way that the light shines in one way. And Kilvin is like, you know, you can't sell this because criminals use these. It's, it's a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> this is not that dangerous. <laughs> this is exactly what I thought when I read it, is this, this guy made a flashlight. He's, he's picturing... Or Kilvin is describing it in a way that's like this death ray or something that criminals can get their hands on. No. It's a flashlight. This doesn't this doesn't make crime infinitely easier in any way. I just don't understand what he's picturing. If you're a criminal and using this, people can still see you. Right? Yeah. 
do I not understand how light works? What's happening here? Here's here's what I think is happening here. Kilvin, Quoth presented this flashlight to Kilvin. Kilvin saw it and was like, this is dope. I would love to have this flashlight. Quoth, you can't sell this to anybody because they'll use it for crime. Quoth's like, well, shit. Can I have it? And Kilvin's like, damn it. <laughs> you drive a hard bargain. Yes. It's, I just think it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. we take, he's taking this too seriously. Also, when they know how poor Quoth is, Kilvin knows how poor Quoth is. He's like, yeah, you can't sell this to a single person. <laughs> Maybe it's a conspiracy that they're all trying to keep Quoth poor. These are these are the one percenters trying to keep down the other 99% because Kilvin is so rich. All these masters are so rich. Oh, I'm sure they are. And they're trying to keep Quoth down. Maybe maybe they're worried that if he gets enough money, he'll become a ma- like he has a path to become a master and they fucking hate Quoth. <laughs> and they're like no way you're becoming a master. We've already got no. Eladin. We're not bringing you in. Yeah, that's exactly it. They saw what happened to Eladin. They're like, we do not need another Eladin in here. Keep especially, him poor. Especially a super annoying... Like, okay, I'm not... Super annoying is the wrong way. Eladin is super annoying, but he's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Quoth would be terrible in the same way that Eladin is, but not in a cool way at all. <laughs> in a super dickish way. Right, so they're just like, keep him weak, keep him poor. So, yeah, so now I'm actually switching sides on this. Masters, keep keep setting his tuition high. <laughs> I get it. Honestly, it's too low now. Bump it yeah. up. Bump that, bump that up, yeah. I totally agree. Make him work for a living, you know? Make him, make him learn the power of a dollar by earning the power of a dollar. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, right. I get it. I get it. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of this guy skating by his whole life. He's got it too easy, Luke. Way too easy. He gets seven talents from Count Three. <sighs> Ridiculous. For playing one song. You kidding me? Uh, well, Luke, it's about that time. <laughs> we'll be finishing the book for our next episode. Stay tuned to see how it's revealed that Denna is actually Ben. Uh. You know, but even if even if that revelation doesn't come in the next however many chapters, we're still going to be here. We're still going to be handing out hot takes. And we're still going to be acting like some dumb nerds. <laughs>